The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello. I've got to um, I've got to ask you something, Will. Awesome. Something is something happened to me on the weekend, which has brought up an issue that's been an issue of mine for a long time. You were which... touched by a priest again? <laughs> no. It's the issue of stage fright, and I'm not. Oh. I'm not talking about you know when you go on stage. I'm talking about using a urinal. Stage fright. Uh-huh. Do you get stage fright at a public bathroom? No. I mean, I look, I, to be honest, in a public bathroom situation, I'm normally heading straight for a stall. Right. So that's my problem. Yeah. I mean, look, in a, obviously, I'm not going to wait for a stall. Right. But if there's a stall for you, I'm going straight to the stall. If there's yeah. a stall available. Uh, if there is not a stall available, or if those individual sort of urinals mm. that kind of have like, you know, yeah, some yeah, separation yeah. We, sort of space. Yeah, right, exactly. You have your own space. I'm fine to go to one of those, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to avoid a trough situation if at all possible. Well, I went to a I went to a movie screening on Sunday for uh, Alien Covenant. So it was a big kind of thing. It was, all, it was cast and crew screening. So every, every, every theater was packed. Every toilet was packed. It wasn't a kind of... You can just sort of wait for a cubicle situation. They should put a, in that situation, they should put a trough around the side of the cinema. In fact, they should offer that. You know how they have like ones that you can take your children to, so it's yeah. like a kid's special. They should have one for people who don't like to miss bits of the movies. Yeah. So there's just like a urinal trough. That's extra. That, that drains down. Because it's already got the well, natural drainage, right? Down yeah. towards the front where the screen is. That's right. Is. Well, there's gold class. There should be golden shower class. class. Yeah, <laughs> golden class. Oh, I mean, oh, sorry. It got cut off on my computer. I didn't realize this was... Golden shower class. So why has Trump put that into his new budget? <laughs> right. Every cinema in America is going to be golden shower class. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was, it was, it was busy. I went with a couple of mates and, you know, we, we got to our seats and everyone, it was packed and everyone's running around like, oh, I should go to the bathroom now just to sort of, you know, cause I don't know yeah. how long this film's going to go for. So what happened is I, people were streaming everywhere and I was like, oh, I'll just duck into this bathroom. But as I walked in, I ran into a guy that I know, you know, don't know him that well, but, you know, I, I, I used to see him at work a, a fair bit. And so he starts chatting as we enter the bathroom. And I'm like, yeah, ch- chatting, chatting. And then I assumed we were going to, like, break off. But he followed me right to the urinal and, and took keeps a... Keeps chatting. Yeah, and keeps chatting. Yeah, well, that's his fault. Right. So... That's totally his fault. Like, that you've is got to shake fault. that tag on the way to the urinal. Exactly, but I... You but, don't keep having this conversation. But I sh- I mean, I should have read the signs a bit sooner and gone, oh, there's a guy don't here victim who's blame. chatty. Don't victim you blame. You think? It's not your fault, It was his fault, right. So then we get up to the urinal and he's still chatting. And so I get to that point where I'm like, oh, right, okay. Well, I have to actually concentrate now. So let's. Just, I'll just go quiet and try and finish the conversation and concentrate. But then after about... Look, I'm guessing it was like, 20 to 30 seconds of me standing there, nothing happening. I'm, I had to make a choice, which is like, do I stay here? Because there's also people behind me waiting to use the bathroom. It's packed. So I'm like, do I stay here and be the odd guy who stands at the urinal with his penis in his hand, 
where nothing happens? Or do I just fucking like admit defeat and get out of there? So, okay. Firstly, what I would say is I think you're thinking too much into the shame that other people are feeling on your behalf. Right. I feel like no one's judging you. Really? I feel like people are going, well, that's something that happens. That what, what is happening for you is a natural part of the I process. I could have kidney stones. Well, there's no timing also <laughs> on how long you're meant to take. Yeah. Like, for example, some people, when they go to the, like, to do number twos in the bathroom, they will take a newspaper or a magazine or a yeah. book or something like that because they're going to be there for 20 minutes. <laughs> that's a, that's like, a telltale sign. what the fuck sign. is going on? Especially in the era Mate, of the I, iPhone. I, but also, <laughs> I don't want to have time to undo the passcode on my phone. I want to be in and out of there, washed hands, yeah. cleaned toilet. Yeah. Well, the whole I think- process, I want to take, like, from me going into the bathroom, I'm going to go there obviously as close to when I need to use it as no possible. No one wants to chat in a bathroom. That's a thing that I no. that I that I I find most kind of surprising is like like let's we'll talk after. Like just give us like 2 minutes just to, you know, do my dirty business and then we can talk about whatever you want. Right. So, I mean, I think you're right. I think maybe this guy's attention started to okay, make me paranoid about do you think this guy is the sort of guy if you were going to see a movie together? Say yeah. you've gone into the cinema and there was no one else in your row. Mhm. And, you know, there was there was not many other people in the cinema, right? No. So there was not going to be anyone else in your row for the yeah. rest of the cinema. Would he have sat directly next to you or would he have left a space in between you uh, no, and I don't, the... I don't think he's a personal... I've never had personal space issues with him before. I think it was just a case of he was completely comfortable with going to the toilet and keeping on chatting and whatever. And so he just didn't... Like, he didn't read the uh, social cues. Of- I mean, technically, he's right. If we want to go really way back to it, how we should feel about something that everybody in the world has in common, mm. like, we all have to use the bathroom. Yeah. The fact that there is so much shame built around this fact, like, we're all ashamed of a thing that literally is the thing that we all have in common. Yeah. If you meet anyone else in the world that you have nothing else in common with, you can still go, well, we both shit and we. <laughs> So we can talk about that. We have that in common. As a starting point, we both have to go to the toilet, right? Yeah. Even But we have so much shame and, and disgust and like, you know, whatever built up around this idea of the same the thing that we we all find disgusting a thing that we all do. Yeah. I mean I'm not We a... find it disgusting in a way that implies we don't do the same disgusting thing ourselves. I, I definitely don't I I guess it's not so much the act that bothers me. It's the like for instance, I'm not a public urinator. You know there's certain guys who, you know, on a pub crawl can just duck into an alleyway and piss onto a brick wall in the middle of the day and be fine with that. Like that's, I would rather like, you know, give myself serious like stomach pains than piss in public. I just am not a, not a public urinator. Uh, look, I, I, I would be lying if I say that. I have, I would, I I have done it. I wouldn't do it around in desperate friends, situations. But I, if, if I'm by myself, if I'm say walking home from something by myself yeah. and you know, the urge comes and I'm in a place where that I could do that, then I would do it in that situation. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not going to break off from a group of friends and go and just have a wee on well, the side of the when road. When I was in Melbourne for our live show, my hotel it was down on South Bank. And so I was walking through this little grassed area beside the Yarra to get to, to, get to the street. And it was probably about 6 p.m. on the Saturday night. And there was a dude there who was with a bunch of mates who literally walked... You know, they were walking along the boardwalk. He walked five metres from them, kept talking to them, and then just started pissing on a tree. Like in full public it, it was like you know a lot of foot traffic and i was like god that's disgusting then i'm like hang on 
Do I have to consider my own issues? Like, what is he doing that is so bad? Like you say, everyone needs to wee. He's pissing on a tree. It's not like he's pissing on someone's car or in a handbag or someone's shoe or anything like that. Well, the other irony is, like, I know the exact sort of place in Melbourne that you're talking about because yeah. I know what hotel you were staying at and I know where the grass is down there. Yeah. Uh, but also the reason I know that is I stayed there for 10 days down that end of the city with the dogs last 10 days of the festival. And every day I took my dogs down there to wee on that grass. Right. So, like, if I'm letting my dogs wee on that grass yeah. and this guy desperately needs to go and yeah. he's doing it in a discreet manner, like, well, he's not just out in the middle of the I mean, it was grass, discreet. He like was still... Like, around in a 360 <laughs> like doing, a like, a sprinkler. I mean, he was... Con- Actually doing the... He was- <laughs> and then a pause and then... <laughs> he was continuing to talk to his friends over his shoulder. Like, I don't yeah. think he was trying to duck away and do it surreptitiously. No. It was like, you know... He just seemed very... He owned it. He was very confident in it. Well, in London, in the middle of London, in Soho... Um, they have outdoor male urinals. So essentially it's like, a, mm. imagine like, you know, so there's four of them around. Like you might have it, say, a, a, music, a music festival, festival or something yeah, like yeah. that. And they have those in the heart of London, in the middle of Soho. So at night, because they've just determined, I guess, you're only seeing the back of these men who are using these things. You're not seeing anything gross or disgusting. No. And it's out there in public, in the heart of London. Yeah. Minutes from Buckingham <laughs> Palace, Charlie. That is not the royal we. That Her Majesty was talking about. <laughs> yeah, so this dude, he was one of those comfortable, I can talk and piss at the same yeah. time. So I made the decision about a minute into it that I'm just going to zip up, wash my hands, get out of there. Like, uh, he was still, he was talking about... Oh, so you gave up? Yeah. And so I knew, I knew it was a big gamble because I'm like, started, this is going to... It's l- weirder if you don't do anything. Exactly. Or he's looking and going, is his piss invisible? Does he have invisible piss? I just is I that just, your X Men mutant power? What my only what I was hanging my hat on was the idea that maybe he thinks I have a medical condition and is too polite to ask about it. Like maybe you know what I mean? Like maybe I've got some like urinary tract so problem. So rather than or, admit that you did something that is completely natural that happens to people all the time, you'd rather your friend believe mistakenly that you have a medical condition. <laughs> yes. So. I zipped Catholic up. school didn't leave you with any hang-ups, did it, Charlie? I was zipped up, I zipped up, I zipped up, washed my hands, left the bathroom. And I've got to admit, it was awkward because, like, first of all, I didn't piss and he knows I didn't piss. I mean, it's weird second you of all, to wash your hands. Second of all. Because realistically, you've just touched your clean dick, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, but I'll wash it just in case. Don't know whose face I'll be touching next. But... <laughs> But then the other weird thing is like we were having a conversation and then I just cut it short right. to say, all right, I'll see you later. You cut both things short. Yeah, totally, definitely. <laughs> right. So, but then I had another problem because I've left the I've left the bathroom, but I still need to take a piss. So <laughs> I crossed the foyer, went to the other side of the cinema and found another bathroom. And I'm like, all right, this is fine. This time I'll go to a cubicle. I won't run into the same problem. Right. Or the same guy. Turns out... Turns out he's in the cubicle next to you. <laughs> continuing the conversation. Turns out I did run into the same problem because I walk into that bathroom. Yeah. There's a huge line for the cubicles. And one of the guys in the line is someone else I know from another yeah. job. So he starts chatting to me and I'm like, holy fuck. So I'm like, okay, I'll just stay in line at the cubicle. But, you know, I was probably four, four back for two cubicles. Yeah, but now everybody thinks that you really need to do a shit. Well, so now you've put yourself into that scenario, well, that's, right? Because if you're waiting for a cubicle, yeah, like I'll go into an empty cubicle, but I'm not going to wait for a cubicle, right? Even if I need a cubicle, 
All right, so you if you can't get the cubicle, then you'll just tough out the stage fright. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, but the thing is... Just about, relax. But the thing that stage... Just take a moment. To take my own advice, just, just relax. Just everyone relax. Just say the motto of this podcast and let it run free. But for me, stage fright isn't immediately apparent until I have to perform. Like, I don't know... Well, it'd be weird if you got stage fright. I know, I guess... You know what I mean? Like, do, get, but... get anxious. Yeah. So anyway... So this guy in line, this guy is like, oh, fuck, like I can't actually wait for the bathroom. And plus, I didn't it'd be want weird to if you actually got real stage fright with it. You're like, weird thing about Charlie is every time he has to piss in public, he has to vomit first. Yeah. It's really anxious. <laughs> then he has to do some stretches. It's so weird. So I break, I break off from the line of the cubicles and just go. There's a, a, a spot opens up at the far end of the urinal with a okay. bit of space around. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, go for a corner. That's yeah. the other thing. Go yes. for a corner. Go for some space. Go for a corner. And I yeah. and I got up there and I and I. Just got into the zone of relax. Just took a deep breath, and yeah. and so it feels like everything's about to start flowing. And then the dude in the line starts talking to me, like, "How is LA, man?" And all this kind of stuff. And it was just, and I and I got thrown again. And I was like, "I can't, I can't talk to him and relax." And so I think I, I don't know what I said, but I, I cut it off quite tersely, yeah. like, "Stop talking said, to me." Mate. Like, how do I have two fucking friends who don't understand that you stop talking to people when they're at their fucking urinal? So, I kind of, I was at the point where I Well, couldn't... you know what you just said? Uh, LA's great, because here's what happens in LA. People don't talk to you <laughs> while you're trying to fucking expel fucking refuse, dirty refuse from your pristine body, mate. I had asparagus last night. I've got some stage fright. Give us a second. I knew I couldn't find the third bathroom. I knew it had to be no, 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 here and no. now. I mean, even then, like, I mean, the third bathroom at a cinema, you're really like, I mean, two bathrooms, sure. But a third one, you might have to go back out through something. Yeah. So I toughed, I toughed it out, but it was by that stage. I don't know if this happened to you, but have you ever held on to a wee so long? By the time you go to take the wee, it's like your bladder is, is paralyzed because it's been so tight and then it takes forever. For the way to come out oh i have i i imagine i have i think part of it's just age oh no but, is that what it is yeah <laughs> it is. It stage fright but you, no your bladder gets worse as you get older that's oh, one of the God. things and like you know I, I i don't can't get through the night or anything like that um uh so i think there is that sort of thing i get it all the time if i'm driving long distances or you get stuck in traffic or whatever where like yeah totally yeah you like know, i mean this is a old comic sort of i mean a million people have made this observation so please don't pretend that i'm making it as a unique observation but take my wife please <laughs> it always strikes me that that whatever that psychological thing the way your brain works mm. that you can hold it for like you know say for example you thought it was going to be 10 minutes yeah but now it's been 30 minutes like there'll be times in there where you feel like oh i'm not going to be able to make it at all and then you kind of get back to a point where you're like yeah. oh no it's fine i'm going to make it yeah. and then that last 30 seconds between oh. you opening the door or getting your pants undone or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like your bladder knows. It just knows. It's, yeah. like, it's like, mate, you, we agreed. You waited an extra 20 minutes. What yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I know it's like, that's an old trope, but it's also a thing that is 100% true. Yeah. It's very psychosomatic. A kid at my school used to talk about how when he needed to take a shit, as soon as he put the front key in his door, he said, my ass would get keen. Like what is like to take a shit because it would hear the key going and it knows it's going to dump something soon and so I'd have to bolt to the toilet. His ass had some Pavlovian yeah, response to the key going in the door. It'll lock. Be terrible in prison. <laughs> they were going to let me out, but I shit myself. <laughs> 
Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, so it's stressful. It's stressful. I I, I I had to explain it to my mates when I got back to the, the, the seat, and they were yep. just like, they were like you. They were like, just, why did you leave? Like, just stay. Like, don't let that guy make you uncomfortable. He right. needs to learn. Exactly. But that's that's the problem. You took it upon yourself. Yeah, it is the Catholic in me. Yeah, even though it was the other person. Yeah. Um, uh, tell me this. What movie were you, were you seeing? Alien Covenant. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, that was made in Australia, wasn't it? Yep. The, the new Alien movie. Yeah. And um, uh, it's just new out, and it might not even be out like most it's places. Out yet, no. So let's not get into spoilers. spoilers and stuff. Yeah. But just as a guess, yeah. going on the idea that I've never really liked any movie set in space ever, uh, do you think I will enjoy the movie? No, you okay. won't. All right. No. Well, that doesn't give too much away. No. Because uh, I haven't enjoyed any but one and a half of the Star Wars movies. So yeah, you're not a spa- you're not a space guy. No, we were talking about this yesterday. Yeah. Is, which I have two movie genres. Like I love watching movies and I'll watch all sorts of different stuff. But there are two movie genres that I do not enjoy. Uh, the first one is uh, space movies, mm. and the second one is war movies. And there are quite a lot of movies about war and space. Yeah, some of them are about wars in space. Yeah, I Mitchell particularly Star don't like those ones. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have liked this. It combines my two worst topics. Yeah, it's funny. I I, I, I kind of get that. I'm not really a war movie kind of guy. Although, a war movies, I felt like war movies were more of a genre of like the 50s and 60s, like John Wayne war movies and oh, stuff. There was, not... a, there was a time in the sort of 90s, early 2000s where like, you know, you're Everything sort of was... like... Your thin red lines and yeah, these like true. sort of you know yeah, there was kind of a, comeback. Pri- a Saving Private Ryan yeah. like war movies. It was were a, a bit thing. like a western. I guess it sort of made a comeback. And I'll make Christopher Nolan's making Dunkirk, which I guess is a war movie. There was like Pearl Harbor. Well, you know? people always point out it's interesting. Like World War Two films can do really well, but anything that's set in a modern war, like from you know the first Iraq War on. People don't really like it's just a bit too real. Right, it's like because we, spoilers, they know that the Americans didn't win. Yeah. Like it's very hard. Like because no, no good guys have won a war since World War Two. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, depending on your interpretation of good guys. But I what think side it, of the fence? You're I on. think at the time we can all kind of agree historically that the good guys won in World War Two. Oh, you think since, the Nazis losing was it was a good thing? Well, I mean, based on how they've made a fucking big comeback today, <laughs> maybe maybe we didn't wipe them out enough. Would be my point, I guess. I don't know. Are you even allowed to say shit like that anymore? Donald Trump just sacked uh, the head of the FBI. Mm. Uh, who, you know, the only people who are going to investigate Donald Trump were the FBI, so he just sacked them. I mean, that is clever. You yeah. got to give him credit for that. Yeah. Can't investigate you when they're investigating having to did get you a new see, fucking job. Did you see the letter that he wrote to Comey to let him know that he'd been sacked? You're fired. <laughs> there was the second paragraph was along the lines of, I appreciate you telling me three times in private that I that I had nothing to do with Russia. <laughs> like that doesn't that sounds made up. That does sound made <laughs> that's up. A, it's like that why sounds like would that's you not include a letter that? for him at all. Yeah. That's a letter for other people. I especially liked it when you commented on my enormous penis and told me how big it was. <laughs> it's like did he really say that? That's an odd thing to mention. Yeah, that I mean, it's kind of weird like your Twitter feed now, or my Twitter feed when I wake up is just like, what happened in the eight hours that my eyes were closed? What fucking crazy shit? And it's also because, you know, the different time zones. Well, all these things follow such a pattern of, historically, if you looked at the signs of what, you know, dictators do, authoritarian dictators do, and the way that they undermine the judiciary and they undermine all these sort of structures and the media and all these sort of things, it's the exact playbook of, you know, the things that you should be terrified about. And yeah. I do believe that people are to a certain extent terrified about it, but I actually 
it makes me wonder the way that we almost kind of laugh at it or just throw our hands up in the air and go, oh, what's he done now? Mm. Was this what people were like when Hitler was on the rise? Were there just a whole bunch of... Because you always imagine that were he was people, just kind of like... Were people as droll and ironic and yeah, that stuff? Yeah, there was a whole bunch of people who just got caught up in the Nazi yeah. thing who were like, oh, what's he done today? Hang on, they're marching like that? That's his, that's his mustache? What's the hand in the air thing? Yeah. He wants to do what to all the Jews? It's interesting. I guess there wasn't the level of shared views and opinions to trivialize it. Because back then, you know, you fed your news through only like limited sources. But now, because everyone, you can find out what Carrot Top thinks about Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Like there's all this opinion. It sort of dilutes it a little. Yeah, I think that is absolutely right. You can find a million... Well, that's the other thing about all this information. We thought all this information would make people smarter, but all this information just gives you more opportunities to find someone who agrees with the stupid bullshit you think. Mm. It is It is strange. It is, I, I Sometimes I feel Welcome like... Welcome to Tofa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jokes are plenty. Yeah. But don't you... It, it does, I was thinking, you know, we live in this era of renaissance where TV's had a renaissance. Like, TV's so good now and the stories they're telling and, you know, the depth and intrigue. Some of TV's so good now. Well, a lot of TV is cooking every night yeah yeah but what i mean is like tv they predicted tv was dying you know 10 15 years ago tv drama and it seems to be back with a vengeance yet still using all the great writers in the world with all the production values in the world still it is not as much intrigue and scandal and what the fuck moments as what's happening in real life and that's saying something oh right? if donald when trump, the most if donald trump was a tv show he would have jumped the shark <laughs> ages ago donald trump as a tv show is like what was that show that on, used to be on in the middle of the day? Was it called Passions? Oh, yeah. We and had, had like devil possessions. Right. And, yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, That's yeah. what the Donald Trump presidency is like. It's not like House of Cards. It's like fucking Passions. Yeah. He's probably going to appoint some weird little person to be the director of the FBI. Because that was what, wasn't there a baby, a real life baby or like a doll, a ventriloquist doll that had come to life or something? In Passions? In Passions? I think someone okay, needs to hit Wikipedia. <laughs> Ramona, you might have to get off my lap. Ramona's been getting a nice back rub while we were doing the podcast. But Ramona, come here. I'm, I'm going to have to back rub. go to Uncle Charlie. There come on. Come, come on. Down off there. Come on. There you go. Yeah, come here. Come on. All right. Let's uh, see here on the computer. Um, oh, God. So. You've been working out. All right, so uh, Passion's the TV show. I'm going to go to Wikipedia here, as usual, our first resource. Yeah. I don't know why people believe fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Where should we look it up? Uh, Passion's is an American television soap opera that began airing on NBC on July 5th, 1999. Oh, wow, that late. And finished its run on the 101 Network on August 7, 2008. That's bizarre because... My memory of that, I feel that's like a Mandela effect. I could have sworn Passions was like a mid-90s kind of thing. But it's... I think it immediately captivated the public's attention. Yeah, right. Because uh, I remember, so 1999... Uh, um, yeah, okay, so I've been doing stand-up for like two or three years and it must have been amongst the... Yeah, right. Com well, turns out that uh, as a young aspiring stand-up comedian, you caught a lot of daytime TV. <laughs> <laughs> so did your friends. And you needed to talk about something for the six or seven hours a day you spent with each other doing fuck all. Uh, all right. So uh, it was created by screenwriter James E. Riley. Uh, and produced by NBC. Passions follows the lives, loves, and various romantic and paranormal adventures paranormal, right. of the residents of Harmony. The place was called Harmony. Uh, nice. Ironically, I imagine. Storylines center on the interactions among members of its multiracial core families. Okay, well, that's good. You know, nice kind of. 
Uh, the Afri- so Trump wouldn't like that bit of it. Uh, the African-American Russells, the Caucasian Cranes and Bennets, the half-Mexican, half-Irish Lopez Fitzgeralds. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty great. Uh, the series also featured supernatural elements, which focused mainly on town witch Tabitha Lennox and her doll come to life. Oh, wow. Timmy. So there you go. So Timmy the doll uh, was the... Uh, so was that a central... Because I've got to admit, I don't think... I just saw clips of Passions. I don't think I ever watched a full episode. But was that doll like... Did he get his own... Like in the opening credits, did he get his own title card and like turn the camera? Timmy the doll. <laughs> and special guest star, ventriloquist doll, Timmy. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Um, what storyline? Do they have any uh, kind of key storyline? I don't know if they have like much because it's obviously it was a pretty wrong, r- long running show. Um, okay, here we go. Now let's have a quick look at this. Uh, this is um, Trademarks. Oh, yes. So it's got some trademarks. One of Passion's most notorious, notorious trademarks is the false dream sequence or fake out. Ah, oh, so Batman versus Superman, right? <laughs> Often the show would play out an outlandish event or explode a huge secret which viewers have long been waiting to see, only to reveal it to be a daydream. Like how many times can you pull that off? Apparently a lot. <laughs> uh, the dream sequence would last anywhere from a few seconds to a few episodes. <laughs> Typically beginning without warning. <laughs> That just feels like somebody wasn't getting their scripts in on time, yeah, wasn't totally. it? And then it was all a dream. <laughs> on Passions, often a dream sequence would begin with no visual cues of any sort, whatever. Often going as far to include contradictory elements to give the dream sequence credence. It sounds like they're definitely giving the writers an out with this. Like, um, all right. Oh, contra- I, I contradictory like timelines is also called plot holes. Uh, characters on the show have flashbacks to earlier events quite often, so much that a significant por- portion of an episode may be repeated scenes. <laughs> That's just the lazy writer. Yeah. Well done. Congratulations. Uh, here we go. Uh, one for you. Roman Catholicism. Oh. Uh, Roman Catholicism and its principles featured greatly in the show's themes. Uh, several characters, including Grace Bennett and Pilar Lopez Fitzgerald, <laughs> are but. <laughs> I mean, she's half Mexican, half Irish. She's got to love God, right? Was it Pia Lopez Fitzgerald? Uh, Pilar. P- Pilar. P-I-L-A-R. Would you say Pilar? Pilar, yeah. Pilar. Uh, are portrayed as being particularly devout Catholics, often praying with a rosary. Well, the Mexican and the Irish, you can, that, they're supercharged Catholics. Oh, here we go. Father Lonigan. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, it, there's two things about Fa- Father Lonigan. I'm going to get to try to guess both of them, right? Is he Firstly, sexy? <laughs> Well, firstly, there's something about him. Right. He has a physical impairment of some kind. Oh, okay. Blind. He's blind. Oh, damn. You weren't far away. (laughs) Father Lonigan, the blind priest. Now, he has an ability. What ability do you think he has? It's a supernatural ability. Telekinetic. Read minds. The ability to sense evil. Oh, well, all right. I mean, (laughs) so do dogs, right? (laughs) He's like a blind dog. He's a dog come to life. (laughs) Became a priest. (laughs) Just wanted to wear a collar still. Uh, all right. How did so how did he how did go into it? Is okay, it, yeah. Father Lonigan, the blind priest, has the ability to sense evil, causing lots of trouble for Tabitha over the years. Many theological debates on the importance of Catholic marriage vows have arisen over the years as well, as various characters attempt to divorce or remarry. That's interesting. I wonder if there actually was like some kind of Christian agenda or Catholic agenda behind it. 
Well, I think they were doing a lot of things that were contrary to the castle. So it, well, it was maybe it was more satanic critiquing. possession and yep. stuff. Uh, okay, fate and destined couples. This is another theme. Another trademark of the serial is its preoccupation with the concepts of fate and soulmates. <laughs> For the run of the series, the show established a few couples as fated and, with few short-lived exceptions, never mixed up any of the relationships. Well, apart from the Mexicans and the Irish. <laughs> Some of the early fated couples were considered to be those of Luis and Sheridan, Ethan and Teresa, Miguel and Charity, Chad and Whitney. Common indications of the couple's status as fated include, but are not necessarily limited to, Tabitha's desire to split said couple up, an unshakable love that survives numerous breakups and relationships with third parties, and uh, an ability of one character, perhaps both characters, as a sense when his or her soulmate is in danger. So basically, they're banging everybody else, yeah. but they always get back together. That's yeah, the yeah. kind of vibe of the show, I'm thinking. There's a lot of like breakdowns, Sounds pretty good. but then they're getting back together. Um, all right. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, sexual violence? Ooh, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we'll just uh, go over that. Well, one. it depends. If it involves the puppet, I want to hear about it. Hang on. Well, let's. Um, okay, here we go. Eerie deaths. This is this is much more fun. Yeah. Uh, one unfortunate trademark for passions has been eerie deaths. Oh, 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 oh. I think this might not be on the show. This might be oh. eerie related oh, this is deaths. Even better. In 2002, Josh Ryan Evans, who played Tabitha's extremely popular adult sidekick Timmy Dolt Dolt oh Dol <laughs> sorry <laughs> you know what I had the browser thing on oh, the, exactly on the L on the L <laughs> so, the Dolt I'm like it's it said... an odd choice of words I thought, it was, I thought it said Dolt but it was literally my browser arrow <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. uh, yeah so Timmy yeah, Timmy died so Timmy the Dol in 2002 uh, Giant, uh, Josh Ryan Evans who played Tabitha's doll, uh, Timmy. What? Hang on. Died. Wait, what do you mean he played the doll, Timmy? Well, because it was a real... So the idea in the show was, but it was that a... it was a ventriloquist doll come to real real life. Yeah. But it was played by a person. But the puppet, as in a puppeteer. No, that Timmy kind of... Oh, the doll was actually like a flesh and blood. Yeah, had like come to... Actually oh, come to life. Oh, hang on. Now, this, all right. I, hang on, I'm going to Google Timmy Passion's images just so that you can have a real sense of what's so going Timmy on So Timmy was a witch's doll brought to life like Pinocchio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and when you see Timmy, you will understand. Oh, okay, great. There's pictures of Timmy as a doll and there's pictures of Timmy as a person. So that's Timmy the doll. Oh, my <laughs> and God. That's that is horrible. Timmy the person. Is that a real person? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, this is nightmarish. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. So yeah. who'd they find first? The kid or the dog? Oh, you know, anyway, all right. So we'll get back to this. Oh, all right, there you go. Unnerving. That gives you a Everyone little bit more. should Google that. All right, so. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> it's like the real life. It looks like a real life Chucky. Uh, all right, so uh, Josh Ryan Evans, who played Tabitha's extremely popular doll sidekick, Timmy, died while on medical leave, just as scenes were airing where Timmy died in the hospital and Whoa, went to heaven. Oh, shit, man. Pas he Passions had planned to revive the character in a few months. But worried the real-life person was also going to come back to life? Once Evans returned from his own surgery, but instead had to write Timmy out. <sighs> After five years of evil crane patriarch Alistair being heard, but never having his face seen, voiced by Alan Oppenheimer, Passions finally cast the role with longtime daytime vet David Bailey. Bailey was hit a hit with the cast as well as the fans, but on Thanksgiving Day 2004, Bailey drowned in his pool. What?! Just as scenes were airing where various characters tried to kill Alistair, 
who actually suffered clinical deaths before being magically revived by Tabitha. Holy shit! All right, um, so that, I'm so, going to go into Timmy's car. I'm going to click on the Timmy. So link. Timmy, so two actors who played Timmy both died. No, same... I think this other guy played a different character. All oh, right, right. But they both died while in the show. They were dying. Both were played assistants to the witch lady. Yeah, uh, Timmy Lennox is a fictional character from yeah, okay, blah blah blah. Um, okay. Uh, Timmy was originally a doll created by the town witch Tabitha Lennox as a sidekick in her various evil schemes against the people of Harmony. Timmy had a good heart, though, and came to love Charity Standish, the main target of Tabitha's evil. Oh, okay, so he's fallen in love with the main target of Tabitha's evil. When, hang on, so uh, when he was a doll or when he was a human? When he's a human. Okay. Uh, for her innocence and kindness. But is he a boy? Like, or is he a man-child thing? Well, he's a doll come to life. I don't uh, think... But is it, was the actor a, a boy, a child? No, I don't think so. I think the actor was a man. Like a small person. He was born... Um, here we go. Uh, oh, no, it doesn't say. Oh, no, because that's... I, I'm looking up the character's details, not his. <laughs> that's probably why. said he was made out of wood <laughs> well, in said, a workshop. <laughs> it said he was, like, born in 1999 and died in 2002. I'm like, no, he can't have been three. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, here we go. Josh Ryan, Joshua Ryan Josh Evans... Uh, born in 82, died in 2002. So he was only 20. But Holy he was, shit. So yeah. it would have been like 18 or 19. He was, yeah, 17 when uh, Passions debuted. Wow. Uh, he had the appearance and voice of a small child due to, uh, no, I won't be able to say it, but it was a form of dwarfism. Uh, so, and he was in a bunch of, he was in a bunch so of movies. So can you tell me when he was the, when he was. Timmy. Timmy, the live Timmy was yep. a doll Timmy. Yeah. He's playing a child still? Well, he's playing a doll. But hang on. So the lady, which lady whose doll comes to life? Yeah. Some, so, you know, at down the shops one day, she suddenly got a kid. And is she saying to everyone, oh, I adopted her. It's my sister's kid or whatever. Or do they know that she built a doll and it came to life? <laughs> and is the doll, like, it's a child doll. Well, she's a witch. But it's a, it's a doll. So witches are always doing shit like that. But it's a doll of a child. Yeah. So when it came to life, did it have the mindset of a child? Like the the object of Timmy's affection yeah, was he also point. a girl or was no? A woman? So I oh I don't know now, but I I think like appearance of a child, but with the mind of an adult, perhaps. Right. Okay. Let's have a look at char- charity. Uh, so the opposite of Donald Trump. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think so. All right. Well, let's see if it says, it might, it might give us some more detail here if I keep on reading. Um, all right. Uh, so, uh, at times Timmy would interfere with At Tabith- times Timmy. At times Timmy. That's a great, that's a great indie band album from the, uh, early 2000s. At times Timmy. Uh, would interfere with Tabitha's schemes to get rid of Charity. One time when Tabitha was planning to make Charity kill McGuail by giving him a poison petite four. <laughs> What's a petite four? Like it's it's yogurt. It's no or like petite <laughs> meow. meow. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've said that correctly, but it's like uh, appetizers. It's finger okay. food. Oh yeah. Uh, Timmy swapped the petite four, resulting in Tabitha eating it and melting. What? <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Um, but she's a witch, so I guess she can melt and then B- come back or whatever. Back. Yeah. yeah right. Tabitha survived through the help of Timmy, Dr. Bombay, and Matilda. Another time, Tabitha and Timmy were locked in a psych ward because Tabitha wanted to be close to charity. 
When Tabitha overheard them giving a drug to Charity that can make her open to suggestion, Tabitha used the incident to tell Charity to kill McGuail. But however, but however, you don't need both of those. Whoever citation, wrote this. citation needed. <laughs> when Tabitha couldn't escape, Timmy was removed. When Timmy went near Charity, he foiled Tabitha's plan and told Charity not to kill McGuire. <laughs> okay, okay. When Tabitha found out she was owing taxpayers money, <laughs> she, Holy shit. she couldn't pay because she lost her powers back when she tried to destroy Charity. Well, get a house. fucking job then! You lazy sit around do nothing witch. So you lost your powers, you get a bloody job. You pick up your broom you normally fly on and you start fucking sweeping some floors. We've all got problems, mate. You've Jesus. got a broom already. Oh. You literally already have a broom. You've yeah. got the equipment, mate. What? You know what? We're going to bring in drug testing for all witches now. Yeah, newt testing. <laughs> if we get any eye of newt in your system at all, we've got 99 problems. You get it. Which ain't what? But <laughs> come on, guys. Don't have time for jokes. <laughs> Um, all right, so she's she, when she's living, when this witch is yeah. living off, living fat off the government, yeah, um, and not paying taxes, not by paying the way. her taxes. Well, that's Fucking the thing, hell. right? Uh, she couldn't pay because she lost her powers back when she tried to destroy charity in a house fire. Again, not even something you really need your powers for. No, like if you want to destroy someone in a house fire, you need a lighter. Yeah, call some matches. Up. Call tofop contract killing. Yeah. We'll do it. And well, are we doing house fires as well? Uh, I'll, I'll maybe insurance claims. Let's insurance start with claims. insurance claims. Contract yeah. killings and insurance yeah. claims. <laughs> in fact, I think we should just start with just stick with the insurance claims. I think it's a... and payday loans. <laughs> need fast cash? <laughs> tofop payday loans. Amazing. That's what we use the Patreon for. Fast payday loans with 70% interest within four days. That's how we finally fund the podcast. We take the money that people are giving us on Patreon and we set up a payday loan business. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, well, that's better than the contract killings because then we just hire some... All we need to hire oh, then is some like stand-over some high men. goons. Yeah, yeah exactly. just mu muscle stand-over yeah, people. Yeah, some and muscle. Say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm. I feel more comfortable with that than the contracts. Good boy. You're just like you're just going to break some ankles. You're going to like shatter some shims. Yeah, yeah. Well, even if we get someone who's just really good at psyching, intimidating, out, really intimidating. Just that sort of like old school goes around going, "Hey, you got a pretty, pretty nice house. That'd be uh, real shame." <laughs> Something happened to the front door. <laughs> what are you doing? Trying to shake it door over the hinges, but. Gee, it's bolted on tight. Can you let go of my door, please? No, I'm just going to show you what happens if you don't pay your debts to die for. Oh, God, this is exhausting. How oh, can I sit down? No, get out. Can I have a water? Slips over. Hits his head on the edge of the door. Yeah, has to hit. The person who's standing over has to call him an ambulance. I'm adding this to the bill, by the way, because I don't have insurance. Uh, all right, here's another one. Um, uh, all right, uh, th these are all pretty much the same, so I'm just trying to find some ones that are a bit um, uh, different. Okay, Timmy then found out after the. Uh, okay, so uh, uh, da -da -da -da. Timmy then found out about Tabitha's memoirs mm. and stole it <laughs> and published it. <laughs> I mean, firstly, she's writing memoirs as I mean, well. Well, well, she's fucking not paying her taxes. She's writing her fucking memoirs. Get a right. job, you fuck. You're not a writer, mate. Nah, you're a witch. Yeah, stick to what you know. 
I'd love to take a year off work to write my bloody memoirs. Oh, we all would, mate. Pay our rent. Uh, so uh, Timmy stole what the What were book. her memoirs about? I mean, just the early days Was of the being title, a witch. Which story should I tell? I mean, I think it'd be one of those ones where it's, yeah, it's a, like it's a young witch, the tales yeah. of a young witch. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a sex in the city, but with the witch Well, bite. not the motorcycle diaries. It's like the broomstick diaries. Oh, I like that. The broomstick that. diaries. But I kind of like to think it would have that more that girls or like, you know, sex in the city sort of thing where like the coven is kind oh, of yeah. like, you know, there's sexy, so sexy young witches in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, sexy, sexy witches in the city. I like it. <laughs> we can sell that, I'm that, sure. Um, I would not be surprised to see that. On Two the good CW. genres, guys. <laughs> we need another one. Um, all right, so uh, yeah, he stole it and published it. I don't know how much demand there were for, you know, for the memoirs, but during that time, Tabitha and Timmy discovered uh, that the evil witch and an enemy of Tabitha's, Hecuba, was out to destroy charity and take Tabitha's place. They also discovered that Kay had sold her soul to Hecuba to break, charity, uh, break up charity in Maguire. Later on, when Tabitha's memoirs were published... Oh, that was... <laughs> oh, God. They fled town only to nearly end up getting killed by a psycho hotel owner. By the way, can I say, it's quite stressful writing anything, let alone to have something published. All this stuff is going on and she's, she's still punching out 15 pages a day in her office writing her memoir. Well, I just guess it's like a dear diary thing. At the end of a busy day of witching and plotting... It's like Doogie Howser at the end. You know, it's like, yeah... <laughs> Your dear diary, today yeah. I brought a ventriloquist doll to life. Yeah. I don't really know if it's a fully grown man in the body of a boy or a fully grown man <laughs> in the body of a doll. <laughs> he was meant to be my friend, but I feel like he has good feelings inside him and may betray me on several occasions. But he may also take my memoirs to be published in a confusing act. I hope he doesn't die in real life in an ironic way. And then the person we hire to replace him. XOXO. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, <laughs> later on when Tabitha's memoirs were published, they fled town only to nearly end up being killed by a psycho psycho hotel owner named Norma. I reckon a bit of a nod uh, to, to Psycho. Oh. Well, Norman, Norman Bates. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Norma, hotel, yeah. psycho hotel owner. Yeah, that's a good point. They fled and uh, then returned to Harmony, only to find out that Hecuba had charity trapped in a closet to hell. Uh, what, there's closets to hell? I mean, it doesn't really feel like your traditional hell mythology. Well, is it? that where you get your clothes from, girlfriend? Mm -hmm. yeah, you get in that closet. Will it take me to Narnia? No, it'll take you to hell. <laughs> we all know the traditional closet to hell. She's stuck in a closet to hell. So yeah. is it like an elevator where it's only halfway there and it gets stuck? I mean, stuck annoying. in a closet to hell does sound like an Iron Maiden song. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also weird that there's a closet to hell. Like... I mean, wouldn't I mean? Why? Is well, maybe she's in the closet, and uh, so thus that's hell. So it's emotional. She's, hell. Yeah, she's in emotional hell. Okay, she's in the that. closet. Yeah. Um, she's right. locked in a closet of pure emotion. Tabitha and Timmy uh, were then later summoned to Hecuba's cave. Oh, so Hecuba's living in a cave. So who's Hecuba again? I forgot. Hecuba's the rival witch oh, who rival came witch. into town oh, so to take he over he for Tabitha. Is she? I assume a she, but I don't know. Or is it? A, she's a witch. What do you call a man witch? Warlock. Yeah, okay. No, I think a witch. So I'm right. going to say Hecuba as a she as well. Hecuba. Down there, they found that Kay and Miguel were trying to... Uh, Miguel. Miguel? Miguel. 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 Sorry, I've been saying it the wrong way all the time. Miguel. Yeah. Kay and Miguel uh, were trying to d destroy Hecuba to try and save charity. They opened a box of light to try... <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Light, light chips? Like sweet, light and tangy? 
Because they're, they're good. I think they just turn on a light. Yeah. Uh, to destroy Hecuba, but failed due to Miguel closing the box before Hecuba could be destroyed. Don't know why. Tabitha and Timmy survived the box and were set free. They then tricked Hecuba and trapped her in a bottle, her. Mm. Uh, and Kay's soul was now with Tabitha. They then returned home and took the bottle and threw it in the basement. Oh, man, <laughs> feels like that would be better places to throw it. Yeah, than just, especially when hey, it's your you know, mortal enemy. You know we've enemy. trapped our mortal enemy. Should we just chuck her in the basement, I suppose? Yeah. yeah, just put it next to the uh, the cricket pads. Any chance we should bury her at crossroads or like throw her ashes Sacred into the ground, ocean? Or like, no. No? Just chuck her in the basement. <laughs> near, the, near the washing powder. Yeah, stick her next to the boogie boards. Put her behind the washing powder. Just behind, at the back there. So it's hard to believe all this shit happening to Timmy and Timmy, Timmy, Timmy and Tabitha that there'd be room for any other plots in the show. On this show, like this is a uh, mate, full life. By the way, just for the record, I'm only halfway through. Oh. <laughs> okay, continue. Uh, I'm only halfway through the stuff that's just happened to those guys. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, they returned home. Wagner in the basement. Tabitha and Timmy then found out that Kay and Miguel went back to hell. Oh yeah. To try and rescue Charity. And also oh, realize charity's still trapped. Yeah, there. in the yeah. closet to hell, uh, and realize they're being dragged to the tenth level of hell. Is that a particularly bad level of hell? Uh, the tenth Dante's level. Dante's Inferno. I think there's. Is that nine the tenth level? Is it? I think it's the lowest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Timmy wanted to the know, basement of hell, where the devil puts his worst enemies. <laughs> <laughs> and he snowboard. Which he never uses. Never uses. I don't know why I bought it. Why does he have money? There's nobody snow in hell. It's hell. I don't know what I was thinking. It's literally an expression. That's when what... it snows in hell. <laughs> That's why you shouldn't get drunk and jump on eBay. <laughs> dark web. <laughs> Only uses the dark web. The devil up late one night on the couch, 2am, the TV's on. He's just drunk and stoned and on his iPad going, Fuck it, I'm going to snowboard. You know what? I'm going to get a snowboard. I'm the fucking devil. Yeah. I can have a snowboard if I want a snowboard. Snowboard's chance in hell. <laughs> um, all right. On the 10th level of hell, Timmy wanted to know how they can be saved. Timmy then found out from Tabitha that Charity could be saved through a demon's claw. Okay. The angel girl came to Timmy, seeing that he has a good heart, encouraging him to use it. Timmy used the demon's claw, resulting in the closet to hell in Charity's closet. Oh, so the closet to hell is actually in Charity's closet. Okay, so she's just trapped in her closet. Right, yeah. She's okay. in her own closet, but it's a uh, but bad dimension to her. She obviously didn't check the closet when she's moved into the house. The real yeah. estate agent hasn't told us about the, 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 the fact. Oh, by the way, it's a great place. Why is it so cheap? It's got a water view. It's got an extra bedroom. Uh, look, it does have... How much closet space do you need? <laughs> now, I should probably point out to people listening who haven't seen this show, I have no idea what we're talking about. This was not... A big budget television show. This was like it was a daytime soap, daytime soap budget, and it cheaply we're talking made. multiple dimensions and supernatural interactions and stuff on a days of our lives budget. I must admit, I can't remember much of it now. Like even like all this stuff reading it out, I can't remember. But I remember at, like there was a time for a short period of time where I was very very fascinated by this show. <laughs> um. All right, uh, here we go. Let's keep going on this. I want to find out what happened. So the angel girl comes to Timmy. She yeah. says he has a good heart. She encourages him to use it. Timmy uses the demon's claw. Uh, he closes the charity's closet. <laughs> nice. And uh, at one stage, he returns Kay's soul after hearing Charity pray. 
He wanted to be a real boy, and his wish was finally granted by the little angel girl in January 2000. So that's very Pinocchio, right? Okay. So up until that point, he's just been a ventriloquist doll a, a come vessel, to life. A soulless, but a now, soulless facsimile of a human. But now he can be a real boy. Yeah. Tabitha then. Ah, oh, here we oh, go, Charlie. The there's actually... The memoirs get published? There's an answer to your question. Okay. Here in it. Tabitha then began introducing him as her great nephew as now she could meet mortals without turning... Oh, oh okay. This is the bit that hasn't been... Sub- Up until this point, every time he met a mortal, he turned back into the doll. Ah, that's a huge point. It probably would have made a lot more sense. Okay, so it was a bit like a Calvin and Hobbes kind of thing, right. where whenever Tabitha was around Timmy on his own, he's a walk and talking boy, but as soon as a third party enters the room, he's yeah. a doll. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what's been going on. Yeah, that's but great. Now, Timmy wants to be a real boy, so he can finally masturbate. <laughs> Which would not have been out of place as a storyline on this television show. Um, All right. So um, here we go. Uh, She could introduce him now. Uh, Well, hang on. But don't all Tabitha's friends go, wow, your great nephew looks a lot like that creepy doll we used to always see you talking to. Probably. probably, They probably say it behind. They probably say it behind her back rather than to her her face. face. Uh, Timmy, now real boy, knew that uh, the real charity was trapped in a block of ice. Hang on. Wasn't she in hell? They she got her out hell. of hell. Uh, they've got her out of hell, but she's in a block of ice, right. apparently now. Carbonite. I guess she's the Han Solo of... I guess the cool down. Yeah. After being in hell. And wanted to find a way to <laughs> save charity. He found out from a book of spells and found from it that a demon's horn can destroy the... Oh, ev- you bet it can. <laughs> i got a bit of a demon horn right now. As, can destroy the evil charity that charity that Kay created and save the real charity. Oh, there's an evil oh, charity no, now shit. and a real charity. Okay. So the good charity's on ice. Yeah, and the real but charity. But the evil charity is out. She did about. the old swapsy, the old yeah. charity swap. Uh, Timmy left Harmony in search of the demon's horn. <laughs> God. Oh, they must have laughed so hard when they were writing that. Hey, Timmy, Timmy, Timmy the... make sure you grab the demon's, demon's horn. horn. <laughs> the only thing you need is the demon's horn. Well, I need both hands. Yes, you'll have to grip both hands and the demon's horn. <laughs> grab it. Measure it from the base. <laughs> from the base. <laughs> It was during that journey that Timmy discovered Julian Crane, who had fled Harmony due to everyone trying to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, you're new in town. Yeah, where'd you come from, Harmony? Why? Uh, You wouldn't believe it. Everybody was trying to kill (laughs) me. Everyone was trying to kill me. I just thought I'd probably leave. Yeah. Uh, So they've discovered he's alive. Julian helped Timmy through his journey in search of the horn. (laughs) Uh, at times, Julian saved Timmy from zombie charity's assassins. Uh, when Timmy returned to zombie Harmony... Zombie charity. So that's evil yeah, charity. That's evil charity. Yeah. yeah. When Timmy returned to Harmony, he used the horn to save charity. During that time, the real charity and zombie charity had a fight. <laughs> and during that fight, zombie charity attacked him with her powers, leaving him gravely injured. Timmy later died, unable to heal from the injuries afflicted by zombie charity. He died on August 5, 2002. After his death, Tabitha got her powers back after losing them for failing to destroy charity. When she got her powers back, she wanted to revive Timmy, but learned that she unknowingly signed a form. Oh, wow. <laughs> that gave Timmy's heart to charity. Was it one of those Apple ones where she just clicked yes? Yeah, except. She didn't read it. She just accept. Well, here's the thing also. Since when does she start fucking obeying the law? She wasn't paying her fucking taxes. Yeah. She probably signed a lot of employment forms yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. That's yeah. it. Contracts are made to be broken. Exactly. Clearly in this world. 
uh, but she unknowingly signed a form. And it, also, it's not legally binding if you've unknowingly signed something. Oh, really? You can't trick someone into signing a contract. Uh, like, you can't just put a bunch of papers in front of somebody and, like, they think they're signing something else. Yeah, right. The contract would be null and void. I mean, she's got to get some better advice. Yeah. I'm not a lawyer, but... <laughs> not the lawyers I watch a lot of law and order. Um, uh, she'd unknowingly signed the form, giving the heart to charity. I mean, well, at least went to, to charity, for charity. She decided to destroy, she tried to destroy charity, stop the heart transplant, but Timmy came down and convinced her... Came not, down? Came down. heaven. From the horn and convinced her not to destroy charity, so she stopped. Tabitha loved Timmy dearly and still feels the loss of her son as well as of her best friend. Aww. Timmy appeared to Tabitha in October 2003 as a surprise to meet Tabitha's new daughter, Endora. The spirit of Timmy made an appearance in late 2000, 2007, advising Tabitha to use good, not evil, to rescue her daughter, Endora, and Miguel from the dark side. Well, there you go. So he came back as a ghost, sort of like force... Force style, right? Yeah, and Force I mean, ghost. I guess that's when the, after the original actor was yeah dead. So that, you, I you, guess that's are you, like are you googling Timmy's ghost passions. No, I want to say <laughs> if there's anything else about passions here that like because if this I'd like this someone should have must have written um, a think piece, you know, think piece on why passions <laughs> is the best TV show. Of, like you my know, memory like, of it, ten was... reasons passions. Is, like, you yeah, know, that's yeah, yeah. which which passions character yeah. are you? A listicle, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, exactly. I want a Passions TV show list. Um, here we go. Uh, all right. No, no, that's not happening. Character list. Uh, wiki. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, not a lot. This might be... Oh, here we go. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Leonora Epstein. Yeah. On, from the uh, website, Charlie. Cracked? No. BuzzFeed. <laughs> If anyone was going to do a think piece on Passions, it was going to be on BuzzFeed. Passions. This is the headline, by the way. Passions, the most meaningful document of our past no one talks about. Well, until today, Leonora. A reintroduction to the worst slash best soap opera you ever watched as a teen. Um, or, oh, yeah, okay, good. This is good. This this is going to give us some more information here. Um there are very few conditions under which the combination of rich people, poor people, dwarves, witches, satanic possession, <laughs> poison quiches, and Princess Diana make for a TV hit. Uh, there's only one. It's Passions, the NBC soap that was on for nearly 10 years. Okay, so there you go. Nearly 10 years. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. Passions, like most soap, soap operas, was not good. It was overacted, cast in soft lighting and featured lines like, I love your father and he loves me. I will never divorce him. Never. Okay, oh, good. Altogether, it was possibly one of the worst TV shows ever. Uh, but there was something comic and intriguing about its tragic quality, which is why when you mention Passions, even occasional watchers of a certain age will go, oh my God, Timmy. Uh, for a show that spanned 2,231 episodes. Uh, all right, here we go. The plot. Uh, passions combine the salacious doings of the residents of the idyllic town called Harmony. Okay, we've yeah. got that. With kooky supernatural conflicts. Uh, you're basically good against evil stuff, mm. uh, except most of the players had chisel features and natural good looks. Okay, all right. Uh, you probably remember the first season the most. That's when the show's more iconic plot, li plot lines took root. There was the rich Crane clan ruled by a soulless father. You had a number of diverse middle-class families whose members were usually busy chasing tail, <laughs> plotting a peer's demise or battling the Cranes. 
Or trying to win their affection, as in the case of Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald, <laughs> a teen in love with the rich and handsome Crane son, Ethan. She was obsessed with him in a stalkery way and hatched a plot to be around him in a convincing disguise. Her, oh, this is right. That's right. She, her disguise was glasses. <laughs> she did the Clark Kent, and that was her entire disguise, and she got away with it. Uh, then there was Tabitha, the 300-year-old witch. Oh, right. Who became threatened by a pretty blonde Well, no, why is she writing her memoirs? She's 300 years yeah, old. Yeah, 300 years. She's yeah, got some stories to tell. Uh, I remember the time I was sucking Napoleon's dick. <laughs> uh, Tabitha uh, became threatened by a pretty blonde teen named Charity who had mysterious powers and premonitions. Also, Charity also had... Yeah, some some. Uh, she had the. She was touched. She had the gift. She had a little bit of a gift. Yeah. Um, uh, reality and pop culture tie-ins. From the first episode, it becomes clear how much passions is fueled by the pop culture that surrounded it. In an early scene, we witness a flashback featuring the beautiful and rich Sheridan Crane on the phone with BFF Princess Diana. What? Really? <laughs> so Sheridan Crane is yeah best friends with Lady Di. Yeah. Didn't she die in '98? <laughs> uh. She must have died in 99. Yeah. So, well, here's the, this is the. Gee, that would have been, I hope they don't shoot, shoot too far ahead. What? Because they started shooting in 99, you said. How yeah. did he die? Was it, I thought it was earlier than that. Oh, hang on. Here we go. Um, uh, oh, so it's a flashback. In oh, an earlier scene, right. we witness a flashback featuring the beautiful and rich Sheridan Crane on the phone. Uh, oh, Diana, you sound so happy. Yes, love, we'll do that. Sometimes I think it will never happen, but then I think of you and how similar our lives have been. Promise me we'll always be friends. Cut to the present. A tortured Sheridan places flowers at a memorial for Princess Di, exclaiming, uh. Oh, Diana, why did you have to die? <sighs> awesome. Um, uh, all right. There we go. There, there wasn't actually much good stuff left in that. <laughs> Thanks, BuzzFeed. Sorry, sorry BuzzFeed. Thanks for nothing. Uh, all right. Uh, we have... Oh, we've done 56 minutes. All right. Well, 55 minutes. Well, so. you can plug for five minutes and then uh, we'll get out of here. Oh, we have to talk. Uh, no, there's a couple of things that we actually have to talk about. Uh, right. the f- oh, well, yes. Actually, I'm going to mention quick, briefly one podcast that I was on recently called The Bugle, which is Andy Zaltzman's podcast, which, of course, uh, he used to do with John Oliver. It's one of the biggest uh, podcasts in the world. It's a political podcast. Uh, they did a live version at the Melbourne Comedy Festival that I was on. Uh, so uh, that is up now if you want to listen to that. Uh, but also, uh, there is another podcast that we want to t- tell you about. Yeah. Uh, Am I Funny by Leon... No, it's He says it in his own podcast. You can just repeat it. It's an awesome podcast. I think they're up to... Three episodes this week, episode three. Which I've is, heard the first two episodes. Well, you basi- are on the first two episodes, aren't you? Well, I think I'm in the intro because basically the right. whole premise is that he's going to do like in eight weeks. He's always wanted to do stand up, and this is a legit thing. He's yeah. always he's always wanted to do stand up, but he's always kind of had that fear that of doing it that's kept him off stage. So he decided that he would set himself an eight week challenge, and you would do a podcast about you know learning how to do stand up, and then like you know doing this stand up gig. And he's going to record it and, you know, play it on the podcast, his first ever stand-up gig. Yeah. And the first bit of advice I gave him when he interviewed me was, uh, all I would tell young people is don't take your first stand-up gig and never show it to anybody. But he's doing it in a brilliant experiment. And basically the way he's going through it is he's kind of 
I guess he's going through his process over these eight weeks. Yeah. But he's furnishing it by talking to a whole bunch of, you know, big name comedians and smaller comedians and getting their insights on various steps in this process. So if you have any interest in comedy or the process of stand-up comedy, um, then I think it's a really interesting podcast to listen to. It's awesome because they're only 20-minute episodes too, so they're yeah. really short. But it is one of those things where it's a real, it's the podcast equivalent of a page turner because you know what's coming and it's sort of it's uh, it's pretty much recorded in real time so he's having stuff come up like issues that he hadn't even thought of pop up all the time and you're hearing him well there's one in episode on two and i won't give yeah, it away spoil, because yeah. you know it's worth hearing but it's a pretty good one that was actually my favorite part of that episode was him having to call his producer it got and it got and then the thing that happens next again i don't want to give yeah. it away but it was one of those moments because like i was like oh this is very brave of you to take this step of it and do it in this way. Yeah, yeah. Like it almost made me feel awkward to listen to, but yeah. I think he, he loves like comedians like Ricky Gervais and stuff like that. So I think that like being in that moment of his awkwardness yeah. is something that people will be able to enjoy on the journey. It, anyway, it's, I, I think that I've listened to the first two episodes. Yeah. Um, if you like comedy, you're going to hear a lot of your favorite comedians as well being interviewed and sort of giving their advice and giving their reflections on, you know, the various steps and stages of what it takes to be a comedian. But you're also going to get to, hear him go through this process. And I think the thing that uh, he doesn't quite realize yet, even though I think he intellectually gets it is, this is a really big fucking scary thing. Oh yeah. And this is not going to be tipped in his favor. I mean, he's <laughs> doing this process and whatever, but if anything, that just builds up the expectation even higher that he's going to have to be good. And yeah. no one's really that good when they start. So yeah. anyway, it's going to be really, really compelling. So am I funny? It's cool. Yeah. It's fun on iTunes, I believe. Um, Real good, real good, good stuff. Yeah. Shows. Uh, okay, so I. Oh am, no, you won't. No, oh, I'll no. be. Um, I've got still over. got um, uh, Nelson Bay and uh, somewhere else Arr. around Newcastle. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a pirate ship. <laughs> uh, I'm doing pirate radio. Uh, Me hardies, get involved. Uh, Nelson Bay, Nelson Bay, and uh, Belmont uh, down near Newcastle, and then uh, I will be doing uh, Wagga. Wagga Wagga, the town uh, so nice they named it twice uh, as part of the Wagga Comedy Festival. And uh, then I'll be at the Montreal Just for Last Festival doing six shows, uh, the most shows I've ever done over there. They are on sale now. It'd be really cool if you are in Montreal or if you know someone who's in Montreal or if you're in anything. Tell people to come to these shows. I will not sell them out. <laughs> Uh, even if everybody tells everyone, but if you know somebody, if you think they would be interested in them, um, then they're on sale at the moment. That'd be cool. All right. Is that it? I think, I think, oh, well, have we done enough? Yeah. Well, how many, is it over an hour? I mean, it's just, let's just keep I mean, talking until we get over an hour. Oh, no, it's it's just an, on a, I reckon an it's on an hour. An hour. I reckon, an hour now? I reckon we've done, we've done enough. Uh, have we told them about our Patreon page? Oh, no, we haven't. We should do that. Okay. We've got a Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. Um, Patreon is a, a way we keep this show running. Basically, it's an ongoing subscription service where you can subscribe from any level, from a dollar up to... Uh, well, I mean, I would say $10 million. One... I don't think there's a limit. I, I mean, there is no limit. I deal with Patreon. And... I would love a crazy subscriber. If there is someone out there who really just who wants, wants to be to out... In... <clears throat> Oh, so uh, like you want someone to be our number one ticket holder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's them, by the way. That's them on the phone. <laughs> that was the alarm that went off. We set it for an hour. That's great. We should do that. We could have a number one ticket holder. The highest monthly subscriber to TOEFOP can be yep. our number one ticket holder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you could have the... In fact, we could say, like, you know, if you're the highest subscriber subscription person, subscriber, for that month, every month, yeah. we'll nominate one, one person <laughs> as our number one ticket holder. And all you've got to do is just give us money. Give us the most money. <laughs> That's how number one ticket holders mostly work. <laughs> I like it. 
I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>